This is the iFanboy Pick of the League podcast, episode 403, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. That fanboy pick of the league podcast episode 403 my name is connor kilpatrick and joining me are paul montgomery hello there and josh flanagan has anything significant been going on lately <laughs> we are a fanboy we like comics and every week we read a bunch of comics one of us picks the best book they read we call that the pick of the week we talk about in the show as long as, along with the other books of the week and other topics of interest i've got a date i gotta get to that's what's happening right now uh, You're having you know, a fridge delivered. Stop. I'm having a fridge delivered. I need to get done before <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Emails, voicemails, all that stuff is going on. It's going to happen in the middle of the show. I can just tell. I can feel it already. In which case, we'll bring the guys on and see what they think of the thought about uh, Deadpool this week. That would uh, be, listen. Before, yes. If that that has to happen now. <laughs> if they come, you have to ask them. And and no matter what it is, the audio it should be truthful. I want that. See, the thing is, I want the fridge. I want, I want them not to look at me and then turn around and leave with the fridge. Okay, once the fridge is there, they're not going to lug it back down the stairs out of comic book spite. Before we get to the show, quick word of caution. It's a review show, so we're talking about the plot points this week. So if you haven't read the books, pause the show and come back. It'll be more enjoyable for you and for everyone else, and mostly for us. This week, Paul had the pick. That's right. Hey. <laughs> hey. Thanks, Connor. All right. Um, no, this week, it's, it's all about the tears of a clown. Uh, Deadpool number 16. Um, I wouldn't have thunk it, but it happened. I picked a Deadpool book. Yeah, this is weird. Um, it's, it's weird. Connor, you were talking about it last time. It was weird picking a book and not writing about it. And just and it, it changes the way you think about I know, the and I books told you're you reading. That you it, it would happen, and I I didn't. Believe, I was like, no, I was like, it'll be the same. Um, but no, but so so they say that uh, that that funny people uh, make the best uh, dramatic uh, performances. Um, it's something that has to do with the range, uh, and also maybe partly to do with like the contrast of seeing them so often being comedic and then being you know like being heartfelt being uh being in pain um and that's that's what happened with with Deadpool and so my pick is based on sort of the surprise of the range of this character and and what they're able to do with them so um I don't have a I don't have a great deal of history with this character and have tended to avoid Deadpool books but over time and especially lately um Deadpool I've I've come to understand and, and it strikes me that He's this incredibly volatile tool for subversion and for metafiction and, and breaking that fourth wall. And that's been used to great effect by writers like Joe Kelly and Rick Remender in Uncanny X-Force, um, but also abused by so, many pe- by so many people. And I know that by reputation, um, and that's why I've tended to avoid it. Um, but it's the it's that difference between like the best Looney Tune cartoons and like the, the garbage, you know, and like the just the easiest slapstick. Um, but what? Yeah, I'm trying uh, but to what, think of the worst Looney Tunes cartoons. I, you, do you have an example? Do I have Do I have an example? Like uh, like Speedy Gonzalez is probably whoa, bad whoa, Looney Tunes. Whoa. Come on now. <laughs> I I'm don't just saying. Should, I don't think we should talk about this. Okay, we shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> this, is getting controversial. this is more controversial than I expected it to be. Um, so, I but, uh, be but like, oh, it's the one where where Amra hunts him again, but it's just slightly different. The other one was like, just stop. Just let's not. It's fine. So what is going on in this book? Last time so we talked, there, there was uh, stuff from the 70s happening. 
that was a that's the thing about this book is that it's it's different and every couple of between arcs they'll do like a very strange thing and 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 i mean i think what paul's getting at is that this was this was a much more subdued and dramatic uh issue than any of the other ones so far yeah those retro ones are sort of like the 70s or the 60s stuff and those are really like sort of meta commentary on what was going on in the books at that time and that that period and i think part of it has to do with there's i think having duggan and posein working on this together i think they have slightly different sensibilities that work really well together and so i think that you know posein is more towards the the laugh out loud funny stuff and Duggan is more towards maybe a little bit of the pathos that we're getting. That's that's just having, my inclination. Having read uh, the Infinite Horizon, I would say that you're not you're not entirely 100 percent off. Uh, okay, I, I'm guessing. Um, I don't know. I haven't read Brian Posehn's dramatic comic book. Sure. So, um, but right now, Deadpool it's it's this the good, the bad, and the ugly arc. And um, right now, Deadpool is trapped in North Korea um, in this sort apparently. of. Yeah, apparently, and sort of this residual weapon plus program thing, um, and they're exploiting his healing factor, combining it with other mutant DNA to create the sort of dial- island of Doctor Moreau meets Alien Resurrection kind of cast of um, copycat mutants. Like, there's a he teams up with a, a like a fake Nightcrawler, like a clone Nightcrawler with sores all over him, but he still has the ability to you know teleport. And this is really haunting scene where they're not taught like they didn't have a professor xavier to tell them how you know how to use their powers it was sort of literally trial by fire where they're staked out and these soldiers are going to shoot at them and they have to transport to survive to get away and a bunch of them didn't have that instinct and just died um and so it's just this this the darker side of the mutant experience. Um, they're they're, and it's, they're it's, created mutants. They're they're genetic. Yeah, it's it's a combination idea, of like his DNA and and other mutants DNA. The idea is that they took they took some of the other mutants DNA and tried to graft them onto people that that didn't work. So then when they took the other people's mutants and they combined it with some of Deadpool's uh, DNA, then it does work. But they all end up with uh, with rough skin. To, yeah, to simplify it somewhat. And they're just like they've just. They're living in a prison camp, which you see on the on the cover of the book. And and um, but what's interesting is that you know Deadpool most of this issue isn't even in his trademark costume. He's um, he's pretty raw. Um, he doesn't have the mask, and he's pretty much wandering around in like um, in a lab coat. And yeah, and uh, he's got the sores all over him. Pretty pretty gnarly looking. And uh, in addition to all that, the character is also kind of different because his memory has been scrubbed a little bit from his time in the back to tank. Um, and that's the only thing I'm ever going to be able to call it. Um, and uh, with all the hoses coming out of his junk. And, uh, but he's also, and he's also, in addition to all this, he's got uh, this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, the S.H.I.E.L.D. liaison, uh, Agent Preston, uh, died. And then a necromancer um, put her spirit, her consciousness in Deadpool's head. So they're both sort of vying for control of the body and, and the ability to speak. Uh, using the body and there's just a dialogue between the two of them told through the caption boxes mostly um yellow and pink yellow for deadpool pink for agent preston and we never see agent preston um i think previously we've seen her wandering around in like a visualization of deadpool's mind but in this one she's just a disembodied voice and it works really well and i thought it was a really good use of the medium um it's it's really good you know use of 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 comics and the mechanics of comics yeah 
Um, and I, th- I just thought it was it was a really great character piece and did something with Deadpool that even though I'm not you know the the most experienced seasoned Deadpool reader, it just it feels like something that's that's new and interesting. Um, and he uses his bicep as a silencer. Uh, which is a pretty cool idea, but also it shows like it, it kind of shows like this level of self disregard or self hatred that this character has for himself that he'd use his body like that, even though he has a healing factor. Using your arm as a silencer is a messed up thing to do, and I think that says a lot about the character. I think, uh, and uh, so it's moments like that. What but, I was noticing yeah. is that this is uh, Declan Shalvey and and, and uh, Jordi Belair's second issue yep. on the second issue of the arc, and it's definitely. From an artistic standpoint, um, it's not as light, I suppose, which which fits. But I thought that that was the. It's not as comedic. Yeah, it isn't. It it's not at all. There's there's one panel at the beginning, uh, basically where Deadpool's stuck in his own head and he's in a sweater and he's carving a turkey. But that's all sort of a, you know. Then the rest of it's straight up action comics, and it, it's really yeah. interesting like that because the uh, because the rest of the book up to this point has been so. Goofy. goofy. I mean, yeah. I mean obviously cuz that's that's Deadpool's thing, but I the thing that impressed me most is the the fact that it's the same character and the same writers um you know, they tweak the art a little bit by bringing on different people which they've been doing, but it just has a completely different tone than everything else, but yet it also it, it fits in. It was a really, you know, that's what Paul was talking about like it's 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 saying, "All right, that was the fun part. Here's the other side of that." Um it is really well done. Um and then there's a nice cliffhangery thing at the end with some superheroes because that's what you're here for. Yeah, and uh, and I think I think whether it's intentional or subconscious or it's just some kind of happy accident, and maybe I'm bringing something to this. Um, I feel like uh, like Declan Shalvey was was channeling Guy Davis a bit here. Um, and there's a particular panel when the introduction of the the um, the uh, North Korean guard. Um, it just looked like a like a Guy Davis, like right out of like BPRD kind of drawing, and. You don't think of that when you think of Deadpool, um, but you know, like this whole story, it just it, it doesn't feel like foreign to the character. It just feels like new territory, yeah. um, and it's just it's very expressive. And obviously, he's not in the mask. He's um, he looks very different, but it uh, it just feels like a very damaged guy. Um, and knowing what he was before, um, that makes it even more heartfelt um, and tough to see. So it's almost like he got a raw, he got a raw deal, more raw deal than, than Wolverine did. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, they, they, they cured his cancer as, but it was like a byproduct of like what their, their experimentation on him. And then they just dumped him and he went on to become this thing and they, they call him free range. Like they allowed him to go out into the world and, and do his Deadpool thing. Whereas Wolverine, they wanted to monitor him. And the mistake there was that the guys, everyone who was monitoring him in the weapon X program um, is dead because he broke free and just killed everybody. And now they're sort of seeing that with Deadpool because they brought him back for a second time. Well, you know, you, I'm sure your little Deadpool book was great and all, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Astro City number four for me was where it was at this week. Boy, you want to you want to just like if you ever wanted a response to the you can't go home again, yeah, idea in comics. I was like, boy, that was just. But did I miss this issue in 1997? This was spectacular, and we there's already been a pick of the week for this book. But this this was by far the be- I mean it's only been four issues, but this has by far been the best issue. This one, was the runner up. One of the best English issues I've read this year so far. I think. 
Just, I didn't just, like the art, and that kept me back. See, you you just hate Brent Anderson is the problem. I, I, I don't hate him as a person. I just I get that. No, I totally do. But for Connor and I, who've been with Astro City for... 20 years? Yeah, I mean, like, it, like, an absurd amount of time. Like, it's what it looks like, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, this is, this is what Astro City looks like. And I totally understand you because a more sophisticated version of me doesn't really like this art that much either, but in this context... But it's what it, but it's, but it's what it looks like. And I, I couldn't... I wouldn't want this book drawn by anybody no, else. No, no, absolutely. Pick, really? pick, pick the best book artist you can find, and I wouldn't want them to draw this book. Yeah, no, I agree. It's got to be Brent Anderson. It's like uh, it's okay. like ACDC. Like you know, th- there's nothing very complicated about that. But those are all the parts, and that's what it sounds like, and that's what it's supposed to be. And I I do feel that way about this. It's part you of mean, the like charm. Sticks. It's part of the charm. I mean, like no. you know, the the characters okay. are all look you know, out of fashion, out of date, and, <laughs> and that's and that's that's part of the charm of the book. How you know, old is the I got? I thought it's really interesting that the woman Martha, who's the sort of basically, if you haven't read this, uh, it's it's a very complicated day in the life. Or and it's a one shot of of a, a woman who has uh, power. She's a telekinetic, um, but she is she has for whatever reason not become a superhero. And then she tried you, being a hero. Yeah. She tried being a supervillain, and neither of those worked. And then she discovered there's a third option. There's yeah. just being me. And I, I gotta say, and, this is a story that you know, like this should have been told. Like what a like this is the kind of thing that is super interesting to me. Like in a world yep. of powers, why would everybody be a superhero? And right. And we discover here there's a whole subculture of it. Yeah. It's like a whole bunch right. of people it, it gets bigger and bigger, and they all end up working in Hollywood, which I think is hilarious. But it's like the idea that not everyone is heroic in their personality. So yeah, you can do these things that it still requires you have, to have the courage to face down someone. And the, and I, I think what, what's interesting is they end up finding that courage anyway. Sure. You know, because at the end, you know, that what happens is that this woman Martha, who works in Hollywood as a stunt coordinator for lack of a better term she basically moves people around that making look like they have powers on tv shows with superheroes and moves fire it was very, a lot of very interesting things they had her doing mm-hmm. um you know she's old she's she, she's had her nice life but the supervillain tries to recruit her and her friends who are also basically just using their powers in their everyday jobs and uh they end up defeating him as heroes do but they're not heroic people but they are which i think they're called like sideliners is that yeah is that it? yeah um, and a great scene at the end where uh, Samaritan shows up and says, uh, "Hey, you know, you could have called us. We were, you know, we all like you." But I, eh. I love when Samaritan shows up and talks. He doesn't very often. Yeah. So it's actually really special when he does and he says anything. And he's got that thing where you just remember that first issue, where yeah. you know he's got shit he's got to be doing. He goes, so everything is timed right down to the second. It's all, it's like it's always like a treat when he shows up. I think. Um, I also loved that the villain in this was so ridiculous. Like, and that's <laughs> major really, domo. That's exactly. It's just <laughs> stupid. But that's exactly the the thing that that Connor's talking about when you talk about Brent Anderson's work with this. It's it's like you've you've pasted these real lives onto what are essentially like the worst kinds of like '80s and '70s superhero comics, or just the most mm. you know the the most silly. Um, yeah, all existing in the same world. Um, it was fun. This is I really enjoy. It. I love the character. I love the idea. This is what you want out of Astro City is for Kurt Busiek to explore what it means to be a superhero, but not necessarily in the context that you imagine it. I think it's. I think that uh, having just recently read, um, not Secret is it Secret Identity? Yeah, Secret yeah. Identity. Yeah. You know, like he's clearly got a really like he's got an interest in, and he's done this before, but taking these superpowers and really thinking about how they would exist in our world. Yeah. 
uh and 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 i really i love that element of it that's that's the thing that gets really interesting to me which is funny because that's also that's the other side of the coin of the thing that ruins a lot of superhero comics to try and explain them too much right but he does it in a in a in an interesting way i guess he's not trying to explain the things that are stupid but sort of think about how the world works and yeah i mean there's a personality type that wouldn't necessarily throw on a costume but would use his telepathic powers to advise businesses during during uh, employee interviews and that would be a valuable skill or the guy who's super strong and just wants to work construction doesn't want to be a superhero there's gonna be a lot of union issues (laughs) (laughs) little privacy problems in master city but uh or the guy who can dj and feed off the crowd's emotion and heighten Mm -hmm. it or i I think there's a lot of interesting things going on here and you don't dwell on them too much it's just these are the people that live on the sidelines of being a superhero it's a it's a really well-structured one shot like it just begins and ends and just perfect like bookends, perfect. I'm glad he's throwing these in. It started with a one shot, then we had a two two parter, and now a one shot again. I like that he's not he's not afraid to mix it up lengthwise. Well, uh, what we did learn is that six issues is too much. Not always. That's, I know, but from it was like those the, last couple that from were the back. dark was, ages, we were like, okay. But look look at the original ones, like the yeah. Confessor storyline. That's those the were, only one, though. That's the only no, long storyline. The only one. Yeah. Before they got to the dark ages, that was the only longer storyline. I think it's is it only four issues. Confessor was so good that it cancels out those other bad ones. I know. I know, but all every, everything else was up until that point. They were all one shots, and then there was a couple of two issues, two issue arcs, like the the um, uh, Jack in the Box one, and uh, there was a Turtle one that that was a little longer. Teenage Mutant Ninjas. All right, so Captain America eleven. This is the first issue since Dimension Z, and I thought it was really good because I'm so conflicted on what happened in it, and I think that. Ah. I think that not liking necessarily what happened in it was a strength of the issue. In the, you mean the fire? Yeah. So in this, so in this, so as you know, the last ten issues, Captain America's been trapped in Dimension Z. He's been fighting Arnim Zola, and now he's finally out. His surrogate son was killed. Uh, Agent Carter is trapped in Dimension Z, but everyone thinks she's dead. And so now he's dealing with the fallout, uh, physically and emotionally, of what he went through. He was there for a decade, uh, where it was only moments for the rest of us. Or, or months for us, but moments for the people in the comic. Um, and so he, uh, after going through some surgery, some really awful, <laughs> where they were pulling his skin really far, it made me yeah, cringe. Yeah, open, uh, open heart surgery to the nth. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it really made me cringe when I realized I was looking at his skin being pulled. Um, and then some debriefing with fear, with New Fury, and uh, he goes off with um, Jet, is her name? Yep. Mm-hmm. Jet! Jet! And uh, she takes her back to his awesome Brooklyn loft where he's got I, all, these, all his mementos. Gotta of, say, really put a lot of emphasis on that giant Nazi banner in the middle of the room. Well, at first yeah. I thought the idea that one of his walls is a hologram which allows him to fly in much really wreak havoc in the winter because holograms, as far as I know, do not block the cold. He's got force fields. Um, but so he has this awesome room where he keeps all these trophies and things from his past and and uh, Jet convinces him that it's a bad idea to live in the past. So he takes them to the roof and sets them all on fire. And I thought that was a really hard scene to watch, especially for someone like me who loves Captain America so much. Um, I like how he has a shield Zippo. <laughs> it's, par- <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a Christmas gift one year. You know, they give like those the, crappy. Yeah. I got like a chair one time and a blanket. Yeah. Never got a Zippo, though. Shield Zippo. He's got, like, uh, one for the Avengers, one for the Defenders. New Avengers, Mighty was Avengers. Was he ever on the Thunderbolts? Yeah, he was. He's the captain, wasn't he? Maybe. But he was. It just, they didn't it really... Those were just, I like, didn't, not the Defenders, I meant the Invaders, I'm sorry. Yeah. They got a, they that got one's a not a Zippo, yeah, that's a, like, he's got, like, a flint. I mean, it's like an old-style fleece, so it's really baggy sleeves. <laughs> like, and, and then it, and it tapers on the bottom. 
So it looks like he's from the 90s. Anyway, I had a real big problem with what he did, but I, I, I think I liked that of it. Yeah, no, that's a good reason. I think that's a mature way to look at it. I think uh, I thought it was interesting that Pacheco basically was sort of doing a Ramita ape job. Yeah. Uh, which normally wouldn't work. Uh, now, I had a question. A uh, couple of questions. The guy mm. with the flag on his face, yeah. he is from Jason Aaron's Ultimate Captain America series. It's Nuke. It's Nuke? Yes. Has he been in regular Marvel world? Yes. Okay. Uh, other question. When yeah. he when Captain America was in Dimension Z the whole time, did he have his old uniform on? Uh, he yes, he did. And he, yes. And now he's got this dumb one on? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. 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 Why are they ruining all the uniforms? Because they got to make them look like the movies. We did fine for years without doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> There was a one. There was one panel. It was a close up on his head, face wearing the mask, and yeah. I was just like, I couldn't help but laugh because he's just so ridiculous it's looking. Stupid. Like at least smooth it out. Like even in the movies, they avoid putting on the mask. Like he only has it on when he absolutely look at that. Look at the scene it. where he's driving the little hover car home, and and it's like the close up of him steering, and he's just staring at us, and it's just I can't take it seriously because he's wearing a space helmet. He looks like a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, what do they look like? Looks like dorks. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It was a good issue. I really liked it. It was well colored. <laughs> <laughs> Dean White Dean White does a good job of making it feel yeah. like it's still the same that's thing. What I, that's what I meant. Like yeah. It's consistent. It's it's cohesive. But right. I would I you know you could have done anything with all that stuff other than burn it. Right. Donate it to a museum. I'm sure a museum would be happy to have that stuff. It's it is it is historically significant. Yeah. Also, I thought it was funny that he has a giant poster, wall size print of like him. Uh, the the um, the raging the Howling Commandos. Yeah, I was like, wow, who took that photo? That's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> at some point in the war, they all stopped and like posed for this amazing Annie Leibovitz type photo. That is a wonderful segue to Star Wars Nine. All right, I was I was going to give you nuke trivia. Well, we can get nuke. that in a second, but the segue was Fine. too perfect to pass up. Here, so right. Star Wars number nine, I really enjoyed. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this is where Leia has been stranded out in space. She went to Alderaan. She gets picked up by a giant ship. Turns out there's a, g- a guy who's an Alderanian. He's been collecting artifacts to try to keep their culture alive. Turns out, once again, he's the actual guy who... Um, wow, I'm dying here. Who uh, he created, created the, the laser, laser. I know what you're going to say, star. and it's hilarious, and I didn't think of it. Go ahead. So, so then <laughs> she, you know, he, she, she has her suspicions about who this guy is. He goes off to make some tea, and she rummages through his library, and a book falls out, and a bunch Vader. of photos fall out of the book. Vader, and will you, you, wonder, you take the picture for us, Vader? You oh, wonder God. who the fuck is walking around the Death Star with a Polaroid camera having Grandma Tarkin <laughs> pose with people. <laughs> It's like a cardboard cutout of Grandma Tarkin. Lord Vader, would you please? Where's the, where's the button? Hold, well, hold on. Which one? No, you got to hold it halfway down. <gasps> Which one do I look through? <laughs> and he, he I like he's got a Death Star medallion, too. Oh, it's on film. He it's clunk, on video. He clunks against his eyepiece. Hold on, shooting video. Shooting. <laughs> oh, wait. Which one's Flash? It's, it, it no, just, you're all blown out. Let me, let me do another for safety. For safety. Oh, Tarkin blinked. <laughs> you always blink, Tarkin. It just, it's. I just started laughing in the middle of it because it's like, especially look at look at Tarkin's expression in that photo. He's like, he doesn't want to be in the photo. <laughs> it's like, all right, I gotta. These are my underlings. I gotta make them happy. He did design the laser. 
I'll take the I'll take <laughs> the then, picture. And then, and then the Alderaan guy's like he's he's kind of smiling, but he's like ah. <laughs> That's good stuff. It's just who you know. I I think I missed an issue with this. I started. I was like oh, I definitely missed something. But well, anyway, I really enjoyed. But I I enjoyed the rest of that scene. I like the idea of this guy is, uh, you know, feeling guilty about what he did, and he's trying to keep the culture alive. I liked that scene a lot. He didn't sign up for that. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. No, I'll totally build because get remember, the empire is just the government, right? So he just, he he's was a, he, he's either he's military a, or a con. He was a military, and he's like, oh sure, no, this is this is my job. He thought he was just working, you know, good government job. He's a public service guy. He just he he, exactly. he passed the exam. He got the highest rating. Got put on the Death Star community, you know, the, not the committee, but you know, he's not he's not in the committee, but he's uh he's in the crew. And all of a sudden, he's building a laser that blows up his home planet. I also really enjoyed uh, Wedge and Luke's adventures in the, in, the, in the Imperial ship. Yeah, and Wedge not used to seeing you know a Jedi like nobody's used to seeing a Jedi at this point, and you know they're from the history books, and uh, and I thought Wedge was Han Solo for a little bit, I, but then I, I, I figured it out. Issue, I, Right. Yeah. I was that's, much happier when that's I was like, the problem. "Oh, it's Wedge." I know. I was. <laughs> I felt for you because I know you're a big Wedge fan. He's Ryan Kelly's the hero the whole either series. really on it or his his stuff is a little off. But I really but I, like it's just a great Boba Fett. It is. I really yeah. Like, but there's like, like a great. It's, you could look at one panel and there's Wedge, and then right under it there's a panel and it's Han because the the scene changes <laughs> and they look exactly the same. Like. Yeah. It's good. Stuff. I really enjoyed this issue. Though. That '70s hair makes it hard to. Everybody no. was shaggy. No, and no, I also Hans like that, that Leia. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Leia is going uh, incognito as what is Brea yeah. Organa, <laughs> which is her 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 foster mother's name. It's a right. poor choice. Who died on Alderaan? But it was like I was like Brea. It was like it's like it's like I went to my dentist. His name was Crentist. Right. <laughs> Mulva. It's a really it's a really bad choice. Mulva. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> I really we should stop. You're not gonna beat the picture thing. Hold on. Hold. Wait. No. Wait. That's the flash button. Dolores. So should it be on the the picture of the flower? Is that the focus set? Hold on. It's on manual. Um. So Smallville. So so Smallville season eleven. So one thing we decided with with the show now that um, uh, now that we're off the website is that. Previously, we discussed the books based on what was on the comics page, which meant for DC digital books, we discussed them once they came out paper-wise, but Paul and I were talking it over as the ones who read the DC Digital books and decided um, we would jump ahead now and talk about them as they come out digitally. We're doing whatever the hell we want. Is what whatever the hell we want is basically the point. <laughs> These books come out once a week, so we're not going to talk about them every week. No. Um, although in the case of Little Batman, they come out every other week, but I did want to sort of you know, alert people to that fact. People following along at home may want to catch up on the digital stuff, but um, I've been really enjoying Smallville's current Wonder Woman storyline, which is about halfway through. It's on Chapter 7 of 12 now. Um, really great introduction to Wonder Woman. I think, I think Brian Q. Miller has a really, really nice handle on her. Uh, it's sort of that pure... It reminds me a lot of the Wonder Woman, the way they handled her when she appeared the first time at a crisis, because in this story, it's her first appearance out of, uh, in, in the Smallville world, and she's her first appearance in the world of men. And uh, I, like the, I like the entire fabric that he's built into this. This world, you know, we've got the DEO and Bones and uh, Director Bones and all, all, the, all the characters showing up. There was a brief Speedy and Black Canary appearance in the last arc. And I really, I really enjoy the tapestry that he's creating in this whole world. It's a lot of fun, I think. So Smallville's really good. All, all the other books are good, too. Um, I caught up on a bunch of them this, this uh, past week. 
And uh, I, I really do think these are the best on aggregate books that DC is putting out. Really? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, between Adventures of Superman, which I think is really excellent, Smallville, yeah. Little Gotham, uh, little, little Gotham, which I also caught up on, which has had some um, just incredible issues, uh, Batman 66. I think, I think on, a, on the whole, this is the strongest line that DC's okay, got. Okay, I'll give you that from a line. Probably. I, you know what? I This is just vaguely, and I'm behind on it, but I was reading the Wolverine story that Jason Aaron is doing, uh, Japan's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. It's also very good. Which one? The the it's the digital only. Uh, oh, I haven't been, I have not read. I know. I'm just telling you. It's hmm. as as these are good with DC. Those are also pretty good. I'm behind. I'm not up to issue. But hey, this is this is really good, guys. This is a really good quality. We should hide this. Should hide this away. <laughs> <laughs> no what one knows do, about it. What I want to do is I want to take the best writers we can get and squirrel them off to a ghetto, and then you know they're getting better. There's much. Oh. There's more better. Paul, I don't know if you, are you are you caught up, Paul, on these books because on Smallville, no. But what about Batman sixty six? Because they have returned the uh, the special pop up animation to Batman sixty six. Yeah, I think it's it's all about uh, Case and those effects. I think yeah. it really makes that book. Um, they've had some some guest artists on there, and they're all right. But I think it's part of that whole experience. It really makes that book and, and elevates it to something else. Yeah. So. I'm going to read the I'm, hell out of Aquaman. I know that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a bit, actually. Okay. So, uh, those, so we're going to be talking more about the digital books as they come out, also other digital comics as well. So we're basically, as Paul said, doing whatever the hell we want. Yeah. Moving forward. No more rules. I've got a, I've got a review of this Gypsy Danger action figure that I've got. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Not really. I mean, if, if, you, if you hear an awkward cut in the show, that's when we cut that part out of the show. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, J- <laughs> Josh, tell the people... How they can help. Suppose that you are a Sith Lord, and you've been walking around on the Death Star, and people are constantly asking you to pose for pictures. Now, it's difficult to learn how to use all those different devices. So you want to just get yourself one sort of compact, easy to put in your cloak uh, digital device. A DSLR, something can. No, 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 something uh, no? more of a pocket camera because that's oh, what okay. most people point are shoot. not. Yeah, but yeah, a, yeah. Nice, a point and shoot camera. You're something gonna, you can fit your little utility belt. Yeah, yeah. You want to you want to press one of the buttons on your chest and it sort of pops out of a compartment, something like that. That's what I think. And then you know something. It's got a Wi-Fi, so you can email those pictures right away because otherwise they're on your app. Can I get that card? Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> this is then, not a product that is offered. But after his sh- after his shift, he has to go back to his room and upload them all. <laughs> He's just like, Ugh. I, I Lieutenant Tyrell keeps asking me for those photos from the barbecue last week. <laughs> we are collectively the worst group of Darth Vader impressions. We're not even trying. No, that's the great thing about it. I don't care. I, I assume he has an SD card slot. In his chest thing. <laughs> in his helmet? He, he has to. He has to. That's where the Wi-Fi comes from, Paul. It's from his he helmet. He have the Sony prop- proprietary you're that, ones. You're telling me they don't have point-and-shoot cameras that have a Wi-Fi uplink? No, I'm saying the chest plate thing? I was like, they don't have that. How do you, <laughs> you know? They don't sell that on Amazon. We're saying in the Star Wars world on Amazon. You get a GoPro. No, no, this is a world things. where they you deliver can... to the Death Star, so you gotta, you got to use your... And what I'm saying is go to Amazon.com, <laughs> ifanboy.com slash Amazon. What if Amazon checks these? What if they look... I don't think it, they they haven't asked us to do anything. Right, that's true. We're just trying to move product, dude. And I was trying okay. to. I was they don't trying care. To they don't care it. that they make. They don't care that they make a profit on their products. They don't care how we do the ad reads. My point is basically, you can get a lot of stuff for your various needs 
that one example I just used being a very extreme and fictitious example. Uh, but if you wanted to help out the site uh, in a very easy and innocuous way, you can go to ifambo.com slash Amazon uh, as your portal to Amazon.com, and then we get a little bit of that. Uh, and we really appreciate it. It's actually a, a big and important part of our uh, upkeep income. Buy a rhinoceros. Can you buy a rhinoceros? I can't imagine you can buy We're saying you can buy anything. Does anything goes is what just, you're telling well, me. So I'm, like, we're trying to stay offer... out of the realm of poaching and, you know. That's like, not where I was going. I was, you'd be a friend of the rhinoceros. You'd adopt oh. the rhinoceros. Oh. Well, you know, you make some sense. The thing is we were on a whole Star Wars kick and you went and took it in a different direction, which, which well, honestly threw me and Connor off. Buy a banta. <laughs> there you go. Did you say back, like the ban- rhinoceros? Back, wait, tank. did you say banta? Like Tony Banta from Taxi, yeah. It's Bantha. Bantha? Yes. Yeah. Good lord. Isn't Bantha Poodoo? Yes. Oh, stop. No, he's, he's exactly happened. right. Bosk. Lock and key, Paul. Lock and key alpha number one. This is the, they're I'm doing, okay. <laughs> Lock and key alpha Poodoo. number one. It is the, it's the, this is the end of uh, Lock and Key from Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Is and. This is the last minute. I think it was supposed to all be in Omega, and they're like, you know, we need some more room, so we're going to do two alpha issues. So there's one more, and, I th- and it, it looks like the last one is going to be like an epilogue because they've, they've finished up a lot of the business. And the problem here is that there's a lot going on in this issue, and it feels like they're cramming a bit too much into the end. Um, I think they could have even done with another like mini, but this it's it's sort of been going in this direction that they're trying to tie up all of these plot lines, and it's taken away a little bit from the great pacing of previous arcs of this book. Um, and they've like in that in those first two especially they, you know, created some really interesting horror and some great mystery and and just like wonderful character stuff. And here there's so much going on, and it's almost like a like a like a parody of big superhero events where there's like big muscled guys and you know people coming through doors and uh, like alternate versions of what could happen if Dodge wins and things like that and I think there's just a bit too much going on and um, but I'm glad that there's going to be another issue that seems like it's going to be more of a cool down kind of thing um, so I don't know so I don't know if this sticks the landing we'll find out uh, next, next month I guess we'll find out next month wow. or six weeks or whenever it comes out yeah kind of a bummer it is it kills me i, I love this book i know but... I, like, I don't even like hearing you say that like that's this yeah. was your anyway um have uh i think people should check out ghosted uh the third issue ghosted three came out this week and it's sort of a supernatural heist scam thing and it's very fun who does it it's, uh written by josh williamson and drawn by uh goran sudzaka mm, nice. you may remember as the fill-in artist uh, for Why the Last Man and a bunch of other stuff since then. But that's mainly yes. how I know him. Um, this was just a good, like, it's like you get a team together and they all had different things, but the, the deal is they're trying to they're trying to steal a ghost. So that gets, hmm. that gets complicated. And then do, they have, do they have one of the containment things that the Ghostbusters have? Does anyone at any point pull a tablecloth off of a table and say the flowers are still standing? Possibly off-panel. Okay. But Is there any talk of a unlike, big Twinkie? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and rescind the recommendation. <laughs> I'm just going to go watch because, Ghostbusters. Because Connor just wants to watch Ghostbusters. Paul, last time we talked, we talked about Battle of the Atom chapters 1 and 2, and you, you yes. had some trepidation about chapter 3, which was going to be in the X-Men book. 
Um, you, I assume you read it. Mm-hmm. How did, were you were you vindicated or worried or how did you, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, vindicated in that I was well founded in my worries, but oh, you didn't like it. I didn't think it was that strong. Interesting. I just compared to those first two. Mm-hmm. I don't. It it just it felt. You know, I don't. I don't know. I quite enjoyed it. I think. Uh, I mean, it very much is a transitory issue where you know the characters start in one place and they're, it's to get them to another place. Um, but uh, I think I, I just love the story and the characters and the and the relationship between everybody really a lot. And I'm also on a really big Brian Wood kick right now. I just finished, finally finished reading Northlanders trades over the week past weekend and oh, just loved good. just loved that series so much. But um, uh, I, I I thought it was good. I mean, not as strong because you know you, you lose a bit of that snappiness that you. Could, uh, yeah, I don't think he has as quite a, a handle on the the individual character voices. Um, like he does fine with like like Beast and 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 that. And like, there's three beasts in this, you know, right. from the different timelines. But like Wolverine doesn't feel right. Um, I like the Rachel Gray stuff. Yeah, I like that they're not telling us about this future Iceman. Yeah, he just keeps grunting. They don't tell us for sure if it's Bobby or what. Like, what is going on? I also was like, why aren't Scott and Gene wearing a helmet as they ride that motorcycle? (laughs) They realize how dangerous that is? Maybe they were in New Hampshire. No, they're in Pacific Coast Highway driving down through L.A. It's definitely illegal. uh, I guess they wouldn't want to attract attention. I guess Gene could just, you know, keep them safe from harm. But still, that's my first thought when I saw the panel of them driving down the PCH. See, my second thought would be that she, it's not that she would keep them safe from harm, but she would, she would just let cops that were driving by think that they had the helmet on. I was worried more about their safety in any, more than anything else. I feel like they're going to be okay from that. Let's talk about Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, number 30, because this book is awesome. Yes! And it's also, the, we're adding a fourth event, Paul, to the event, uh, which I, I know you enjoyed so much the discussion of all the event books last week, but yeah. now we're setting up for Cataclysm, which <clears throat> has been what this whole storyline that Joshua Hale-Fiakov has been writing in uh, the Ultimates has been leading to, and now that's where we're going, is that um, uh, something's happening to the Ultimate Universe. And then if Gene, uh, not Gene, Sue Storm from the future has come back to say, it all goes away, and she, tell, she takes Reed to show him that the Ultimate Universe is gone in the future. So we'll see if that actually happens or if they end up saving the day and not going away as everyone thinks is going to happen. But anyway, this book's awesome. Yeah, and, and like, like I just, it, it's, it's gorgeous to look at, but also it's just... It's all of the things that you want the Ultimates to be. It's, it's, it's right. a modern, exciting rendition of classic scenarios, and not not specific scenarios, but the characters. kinds of scenarios and the characters. Uh, it feels like Marvel. Yeah, like it feels like good old fashioned Marvel, like up, uh, amped up a lot. I, he just like every issue of that he did of this was great. Yeah, I really uh, this I caught up on these after you've been raving about it, and uh, this has been wonderful. I'm looking forward to now seeing what happens next. It's been really fun, and the thing is, I kept forgetting this was an Ultimates book because it's been so Fantastic Four centric. Yeah. So when like the Ultimates character showed up at the end, I was like, "Oh right, this is actually an Ultimates." Comic. And it's tied yeah. into that Hunger miniseries, right? Exactly. Yes, which is fun. Which I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. look at that they look, they t- they touch." I recommend anyone who re- who really enjoyed the Ultimates or likes or super fun superhero comics to check out Ultimates. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just, Justice League twenty three point two, uh, which we're going to ignore that fucking number. This is the Forever <laughs> Evil uh, Mister Sinister book, right? No, no, yes, exactly. This is the only one we're going to talk about. But because uh, just take the conversation from last week and replay it this week because it's the same problems with, with it overall. But this was the issue with Lobo, the highly controversial one. Now, uh, I looked, I saw him on the cover, and he looked normal. Exactly. So he's in the cover, looking normal, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe. That's weird. So then I opened it, and it was 
the new Lobo, and there's a lot of like meta commentary in this about how people need to shut up about it. Um, but uh, what's great is that it, they knew what they knew what people were going to say yes. early enough to put it into the book before it, it, it happened. Um, it's, he's not. He's been described online as Twilight Lobo, and he's not Twilight Lobo. He's more Rockabilly Lobo. He's got like a bouffant kind of thing. It looks kind of like uh, you know guys I've seen in Rockabilly bands, but. Um, I kept waiting because because of the cover, I kept waiting for some sort of transformation. Like, oh, maybe something happens to him in the story. He starts off all thin and rockabilly and ends up as, you know, biker guy from the 90s. But uh, that never actually happens. What you find out is that the biker guy from the 90s that has always been the way Lobo looks is actually an imposter pretending to be Lobo. So real Lobo's coming for him. Yeah, they sort of had a cover there because Lobo has appeared in what's that other book? Uh, he's appeared before, in a couple of books. Yeah, he's in, in New 52. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this and the thing is, it's a it's basically a one shot, and it's like maybe we'll continue the story, maybe we won't, because at the end it's sort of like you know the end question mark, and so maybe they'll bring back this that story, maybe they'll ignore it, maybe something will happen, who knows? But uh, uh, it was kind of funny in that I kept waiting for the twist to happen, it never happened. He looks What's better. Going on? He's got like laser facial hair. Yeah, so that was like blue stuff. What is that? He looks better in this book than he does in the the stuff that's been. Like like previewed online, like right. the sort of yeah, standalone totally. sketch. Yeah, the standalone sketch made him look like Twilight Lobo, like yeah. the, the floppy hair. This That's is Rocafort, I think, did yeah. the sketches, did the design. And this is Ben Oliver. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The thing is, Lobo historically is one of the worst characters ever created in comics. So <laughs> whatever happens to him is fine. People have at he. You know what the thing is though? The, you got to the only other thing is the old Lobo at least looked like Lobo. Like he right. looked different than everything else. This character looks. Very non-interesting, which is, which is, I guess, editorial mandate now. It's just make it look really boring. But uh, it's funny because people are asking me, like on Twitter or whatever, like, "What do you think of it?" And I was like, "I, I don't. <laughs> I do not think of it. I have no." <laughs> the less Lobo, the better. I have no stake. I have no stake in this at all. Uh, <laughs> Lobo can go away like the century for a long. Have there been and and I'm 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 gonna put this nicely. Have there been any of these DC villains books that I should look at? There's been some that have been okay, but like no, but nothing not, really. That's not nothing really that important. no, nothing that I would really recommend. But no. the thing is, like we were talking about this in the show last week, and and I'm sure you listened right away when you got home. Was that uh, again? There's they just don't make any sense in terms of what they mean. Like I, the Riddler book this week was you know a fine Riddler one shot story, but didn't really. And then there was a or another origin story that I read, and then there was this there was this one which was another, just a random global story, and then there was Flash, which was basically another issue of the Flash. So when people come on back for the next issue, it's like be the confused. new Fifty Two, where like some of it was all new and some of it was just yeah. a continuation. Yeah. So there's no real editorial man, you know. I gotta mandate say, here and then the this. other part of it being that, and this really cheesed me off, is the the no no creator credits on yeah, the covers of anything, really and it's just I don't know what you think. I'm not gonna pick up a book because I'm like, oh man, I really need to know more yeah, about. They're, they're hoping you'll pick it up because you think that it's still friends with Paul and Flash, and that's a ridiculous. And then you know, Capullo and weird, Capullo. and yeah, it's, it's really trying and to it's, just... it's really trying to push the issue that no, no, the characters are important, not the not the not the creators, which seems to go against everything that the comics industry has grown into over the last 15 years. Yeah, but they're trying to take it back. That's why I know. But that's... Um, although the best moment I thought in the in those books was this week's Aquaman, in which. Uh, Black Manta finds it is it is one of the few ones actually tied to the Forever Evil storyline. And Black Manta goes to the big meeting and finds out that they killed the Justice League or they claim to. And so he says, "Well, you killed Aquaman. That's my whole point of being here." So he throws down his weapons and walks away. <laughs> 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 so why I'm Black Manta? Why uh, kill Aquaman? <laughs> I just, uh, 
clang, Release. clang, clang. Stomp, 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 stomp. I thought it was pretty funny. And then, uh, that, and, then, uh, and, then, and then Paul, they move the moon and it messes up the tides, which is what we talked about last time. So oh, God. actually the tides get all screwed when, when Ultraman moves the moon. Anyway, Walking Dead 113. Yeah, so this is the 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 big next issue, I guess. Is this is how they work with these? Uh, is is the beginning of All Out War, and they've been building up to this for a really long time. And here's the thing: if uh, Walking Dead one fourteen, this is a slow ass burn. I mean, like, I just feel like it's been going on forever. Like, are you at this point in the in the trades yet? Have you met Nagin yet? We met. We've met Nagin. He did the thing with the bat. Yeah, and, and they're still, still plotting. It's yeah. still going on. And and I really I get the sense that Robert Kirkman just really likes to write Nagin talking. Right. Like no, that, that definitely that definitely seems. He's like still it. like think about how far behind the issue are from the trade that you read, and we're still going there. Not super the, far, but the far thing enough. is, it's still pretty compelling. Uh, no, this, the characters are good, and I, yeah, I think this is where it's going. I mean, my my girlfriend read the latest issue, and she said, "You know what? I think I'm going to switch to trades," and she was complaining that it wasn't really. A zombie story anymore? And I was like, yeah, that's the. It's sort of transitioning. It's now becoming a society story. Yeah, I mean, I we mean, talked. They, they they mentioned that in the whole tenth tenth anniversary, which is next month, and the all at war is that the story is going to shift a bit to, you know, setting up this society as it is. And may that be, may or may not be interesting. You know, but, it's funny that you bring that up because I I you're right. Like the, basically, the whole thing is taking place inside these communities that they built, and so the dead are not really a factor, and I haven't noticed. Right. Because eventually, how long, you know, it's been 10 years. How long can he write people running from zombies? Now it's more about. I mean, they're there. It's a thing. What happens happens in this world now? Are they just going to be forever warring tribes or someone's going to try to build a society out of what's happening? I think it's like you can. they're, they're there, and then you you start. They can, to focus they can still on show up. They yeah, can still like, be. A- they're always there, but it's like anything that's a threat in the world. Eventually, you just learn to deal with it, and like it sharks. becomes part of your. It's sort of. I mean, they bite. I think you would make them a non-entity for a while and a non-concern, only to bring them back later. If like have them, you know, evolve into something else or something. Spoiler: the one guy who's really smart. Hey, uh, Rick. Yeah, it's Bill. Uh, we formed a committee. You guys talk now? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, the, uh, people may or may not know. So for, for All Out War, which is the big 10th, 10th anniversary storyline, they're going to go bi-weekly uh, so f- for, the, for two months. So you're going to get two, eight issues in the course of two months. Does anyone know if Charlie Adlard's okay? Is that wrong? Four, four issues? Four, four issues in two months. Yeah, four it's issues. Not so two. bad. No. Charlie Adlard's great. He's a champ. He's, he's. I mean, like, is there anybody who doesn't get nearly enough recognition? Like, he's got to be the biggest one. He gets checks, but he doesn't get recognition. Giant check. I think he's probably fine with that. I'm gonna go ahead and he's that was 114 issues. He's done all, all but, but six. six. So he's done 108 issues in a row. Plus, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. Now we're going to, we're going to have a, a middle section soon where we've been discussing what to do. We've got some ideas, so those are going to pop in and out as we go. They don't they won't always be there, but we're going to we're going to start throwing in some new new uh, segments in the middle. But for now, we're going to jump to some audience questions. Uh, the first one's from Joel in Prosser, Washington, and Joel says, "I recently saw in DC solicitation that Jeff Johns is leaving Aquaman issue twenty five. He's being replaced by Jeff Parker." I'm not too familiar with his work. What are some of the past projects and our current that current Aquaman fans? Oh wow, I messed that up. What are some of his past projects and our current Aquaman fans in for a huge letdown or a good surprise? I'm glad to see the art team will continue. Well, you're so, asking you're asking biased sources here, there, Stumpy. Yeah, we, we love Jeff Parker, but actually, we should We're mention as the side that they also announced that uh, uh, Manipal is off of Flash too. So 
You're gonna there's there's not very many left of the original teams. That's a, that's a long you know that's a long time. Two years, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. you know, in the current in the current comic book climate, that's a long time to be on a book. Uh, Jeff we Parker, love Parker. We love we're Jeff Parker. Big fans of Jeff Parker. I feel like he's. Uh, Let's talk a lot about him on yeah, the show. Yeah, we have. I feel like he's pretty underrated by the community at large. Uh, but almost all the projects that he's been on, and he does all sorts of different kinds of things. He's got a lot of range. But almost all the stuff that he's been doing for the last few years has all been great. He did a good long run on Thunderbolts, uh, which morphed into Dark Avengers. I've talked about that a lot. Um, you can go back. He's done. He did Agents of Atlas uh, with Gabe, Gabe Hardman. And then after that, he did uh, the Red Hulk series with, with uh, Hardman for a while. Um, he did this great mysterious, the unfathomable uh, miniseries uh, from Wildstorm with with Tom Fowler. Right. Uh, He's currently doing Batman, Batman 66, 66, obviously. Um, and he did the opening story of uh, uh, Adventures of Superman. Yeah. yeah, he's basically he's got a really he's got a he's got a a really nice tone and sensibility with a little bit of a sense of humor to it. Um, it's really good sort of superhero stuff. that's not overwrought. He does fun books, and that that, that yeah. can sometimes be uh, poison in today's market. But not, but they're not dumb books. They're, no, they're not they're, dumb. But but he does. It's, it's sort of like the Mark Wade tone on Daredevil. He's sort of that's yeah. sort of the tone yeah. he, he lives in. Is that it's 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 they're serious business because you don't want to not have the books be serious business. But uh, they're also fun and funny. So that's, his his run on Thunderbolts with Kev Walker was like that was my favorite Marvel book for a really long time. It was just as a it just there's a big chunk of that that series that is just it's fantastic. Um, but it and I hope that they collect of, it all in one big yeah, thing. It featured a lot of characters that most people don't know, and I don't think they bought it because of it. Which is yeah, and, uh, and Declan Shalvey pops up in there yep. too. Yep. It'll be interesting um, to see what happens to Aquaman because I feel I feel like it's exactly I, right. I was like that's one. I I do, but I also worry that I think the success of the book was. Predicated on Jeff Johns being the writer of it, the name, the name factor. You've got a, you've got a chance, but it, I mean, like in that case, the the danger is that it won't be around that long if it is good. But whatever, take what I can get. I'll, It'll be fun. I'll It'll read Aquaman, no problem. Yep. I'm very interested to see, you know, what artist pops up on that, mm-hmm. uh, or is it the is it the same artist? Yes, now. he's gonna. Yeah, for now, yeah. For now, That's okay. Weird, by the way, that doesn't seem like the right combination of flavors, but you never know. Uh, I guess they're probably trying to keep the people who were on there for Johns were probably there for it's Ivan Rice, right? No, no, he's no, he's just a Justice League. It's uh, oh. Paul Pelletier. Oh, okay, there you go. He's been doing it uh, for about six months. Jeff Parker on Twitter said that it's uh, it's going to be about Aquaman kicking a lot of ass. So there you go. No I'm hoping they really exp- they, you know sort of examine the main roots though. God, I could help. I could probably I could consult on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shane from Parts Unknown writes in, Marvel Now's recent use of time travel and the AOU uh, repercussions have been discussed. Age of Ultron. Yeah, I was trying to figure it out as I was reading. Have been discussed title by title on the podcast, but not as a line encompassing story gimmick. Uh, Line encompassing story or gimmick. Shane goes on to mention that, am I supposed to read that part? Shane goes on to mention that the all-new X-Men, Thor, God of Thunder, and Captain America, adding as he appreciates that they each incorporate time travel differently. I assume this would, oh, he wrote a bunch and we we summarized yeah. it. That's good. I assume that this would culminate in an Age of Ultron or some sort of status quo reset. However, Age of Ultron uh, just seemed to further explain that, yes, something is happening in time with the Marvel Universe. Now it seems like Marvel may be using it to eliminate the Ultimates Universe and import some of those characters and elements into the standard timeline. Do you have any knowledge of how Marvel's editors mandated this theme? And I don't have any knowledge. Or is there any indication of what the end game of this may be? Well, we're playing armchair quarterback like you. 
Yeah, we don't know. And honestly, if we knew, we wouldn't tell you because it would ruin it. Yeah. I mean, we there have been time, many times over the past eight years that we have known what's coming story-wise, but we haven't said anything because it would ruin it for you. Yeah, Why would we what, do that? What would we say about Angela returning? <laughs> no, but I mean, that's wouldn't have been point. anything nice. It's the whole point of reading these stories is to read the story, right? So why would you want to know how it's all going to end? So, but I don't know. We don't know anything about it being a mandate, and we don't really know anything about it in general. But I mean, there has been a common element because they're using. It seems like they're using Age of Ultron, which ended with this timeline being weakened, and so as an exam, as a way to tell these stories. I don't know if it's. I like I mean, that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just I think like it's. It. An, I think it's. It's an example of of good. Um, communication between the writers and and the editors, um, and it's not a it's it's it feels like an event or a status quo, but it's not branded as an event, yeah. so it's not encumbered by all of that stuff. And it's just like let's play with time stuff. Let's you're doing something over there with time travel. Hey, this guy's doing something with time travel too. Maybe we should loop that all in, and we should say you know there's a lot going on right now, and maybe that's going to do some damage to the time stream. And I think it's a good kind of like ba- like in the background kind of event. It's a really good, subtle, line-wide theme that you'd you'd almost need to have pointed out to you. Right. And it's kind of neat. I like like that it's... it's Like adding a new Nick Fury? What's that guy doing there? I don't know. I suppose I. I don't. I. I. I they're probably. You, do you think they're going to shut down? I mean, are we. Are we going to see the end of Ultimate, or is this like a red? I have red no area? idea. I can see it easily going both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. I can't predict. I. Ugh. I don't like the com- I don't like the idea of combining. If you're going to end it, end it. Yeah. Don't bring a bunch of stuff in there because it's going to be weird. But I think James like it don't. Be. I would say just like don't be so concerned. Or I'm, I. I wish that they wouldn't be so concerned with figuring out how it works and like how the fabric of the cosmos works and just like just you can tell another Spider-Man story and just leave it over there and that's that's ultimate Spider-Man and that's fine and people will be fine with that and I don't think it's going to confuse them they'll figure it out so who knows it'll be interesting to see I, I know I we'll see that's the point we'll see next one Okay, uh, Marshall from London, Ontario says, I was recently at a a Toronto Fan Expo Marvel panel with David Michelini and Dan Slott where I had the opportunity to ask a question I've long wondered but didn't really get a satisfying answer. Heroes seem to appear regularly in other heroes' books, but villains, for the most part, don't really stray beyond the borders of their canonical heroes. Is there a creative reason why appearing in the greater shared universe seems to be a firmer barrier for villains than for heroes? Um, and uh, apparently they gave uh, some not-so-satisfying answers, um, like, we want to use those characters for ourselves. Uh, we're afraid the characters will come back broken slash altered. Um, and I thought that answer was weak because the instant rebuttal is, hello, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Iron Man, they're in about 16 books each at any given time. And the existence of A plus X alone should be uh, should put this notion to rest. Characters can and do appear in other books without having their continuities fundamentally altered. He, I actually never really thought about that, but he's, it's kind of true. I mean, you very rarely see villains show up in other books. Um, I always like it when they do because it's always interesting to see you know people go up against somebody new, bounce off against them. I feel them. like that's the that's a really easy way to mix up the sort of standard sort of rep- repetitive kind of tropes that they have because you know the villains are a lot of times designed against the characters. So like, right. right, you know, Flash villain. I know that we're not talking about Marvel, but like Flash villains are all sort of designed to counter the spirit right. thing you know or yeah they're all science problems that's why they were originally created 
and you know since Barry was a sign, was it, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I guess that's I never thought about it, but it's true. It's mostly true. I mean, it's always. Hmm. I feel like um, I'm trying to. I feel like there was a story that I mean, like um, Civil War. I think mm-hmm. actually was it was a good example of mixing that up a lot because remember all the villains. Well, tends to happen in, a, in events because yeah, events, events yeah. everybody gets together. But like you know, regular books, it's very rare. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head when the last time I saw it, but it's fun. And, and I guess maybe they don't want to overdo it, or maybe it is because they're so closely tied to those heroes that it they feel like they need to keep them together. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess, and there's this is not based on anything other than what I've heard about you know just how things work. I'm guessing that that editorial offices, you know, they own those characters and they don't want to they just don't want to not be able to use those things when they need to. Right. They don't want to find they don't want to lose a, a, an arrow in their quiver basically. They want they don't want to find out like oh we're going to put Stiltman in here but he's off in the Hulk world. Right. And so from a, it's from just a, like a protective departmental thing, which I know is boring. Yeah, I would but. say it's it's definitely more of an editorial thing that they want to at least know where everybody is at one time, and and uh, not have them come back damaged or, or changed in some way, or maybe not knowing what you know if the writer's going to need that character sooner than they might expect. Well, the, the, uh, an answer to the changing the character uh, would be that we all know that. Or writers can't really do too much to change the heroes. They have to return everything the way they found it, basically, for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's, a cha- it's the illusion of change. Villains, maybe writers would feel like they have a bit more, like, well, he- I, if I can't do something with a hero, I can do something with a villain. But it'd be very easy just to say you can do that, but you can't do anything to them. I know, I know, but maybe that's... It's just interesting. I always loved it as a kid whenever, like, Magneto would show up in an Avengers book or... Or something like that, but yeah, one one of them that really transcends that is Doctor Doom. He's, I mean, he's ostensibly a Fantastic Four villain, but he's also become sort of everybody's villain. Yeah, you know, as that force of nature thing, it's like the Punisher too. Like you can put the Punisher somewhere, and it's more about yeah, it's it's not necessarily you don't get a lot of character from that, from like bringing the Punisher into a Daredevil story. Say you that because he is that like he it's firing a bullet. And the same for Doctor Doom. You're not going to get a lot of stuff with Doctor Doom that that way. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's I hadn't really thought about it. It's think. like a location change. It's not. It's yeah. you know. It feels like it's a thing they do more often, especially now because people are less seem to be less likely to create new villains because they don't want to give away IP. I remember there was a, there was a nod to it in Crisis on Infinite Earths when uh, in the very beginning. You know the Joker's rob you know robbing some bank or something, and Flash shows up and he's like, "This isn't fair. You're, <laughs> you're supposed to. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be over there. I'm not ready for this." You know, so it's, it's always fun when they pop up. It doesn't happen that often. You can also, I mean, if you want to, if you want to create a reason for it to make sense of it, you could say it's like it's all about like territory and jurisdiction. Like, you know, the Joker has his territory. He has his his power. You know, like his seat of power. And so why would he move? But it also, it also is a good, and speaking of like weapons and things to, to, or quivers or whatever metaphor you want, it, it's always a more powerful moment if it doesn't happen all the time, right? So I remember as a kid, yeah. the John Byrne Superman after Crisis, one of the covers was the Joker, you know, there was Superman's body with the Joker face and, you, and you're so, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, what, the, what is the Joker? I mean, you know, it's, it's not normal. If it's like Batman cover, it's still cool, but it's not as exciting because it's, it's, he's, he's there semi-annually, but... 
you know, he's never in the Superman book, so what's going to happen? Is, is, so in that sense, you get that lo- added level of excitement to an unusual pairing that wouldn't be there if it happened all the time. I don't know. Yeah, but then and immediately the, the, fans are like, can we be back in his own book, please? Listen, I don't know why they do it, but it's interesting discussion topic. Thank you, Marshall. Yeah. Uh, so those are the emails. You can give us a contact at ifanboy.com, or you can also call our voice by line at 888-FANBOYS, 326-2697. Unless you are a 29-second robot. Let's do some plugs. Paul, cool. we got a booksplode coming up. we got a booksplode coming up. We're going to be talking about Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope. Uh, I'd never read it up to this point, so I'm excited to check it out and, and talk to people about it. So uh, that's sort of our, that's our, that's our semi-regular book club that we're going to be doing, uh, and that's the next one that's up. Yeah. Um, also over on my other show, Fuzzy Typewriter, I've been talking about the Breaking Bad. So if you're enjoying the Breaking Bad and you're, you're current with it, check us out every Monday. And uh, me and Rebecca Shinsky are talking about um, each episode as they air. Um, so lots of spoilers, obviously. Josh, are you current with Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. All right, just making sure. Real, real good. Three, oh, Only nah. three lefts. I mean, I'm like day after because I do iTunes. No, but you've seen the right. last, last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Paul, you missed, so, did you miss what happens when you're not live is you miss Paul and I's day, day after I am discussion of it and speculation of what's coming. Yeah, yeah there's a big cliffhanger on this. I'm, not, I'm not into it as much as you guys. Mm. That's okay. Right. Fair enough. I watch. We love it I enough like for. But uh, and also, if you're into uh, into the Luther, we had uh, we had two discussions of of Luther uh, series three. So one on. Watched uh, it yet, Paul? So so one, two, worried? Three, four. Uh, we're pretty critical of it. Um, I've heard I was very excited about. It. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about Luther and uh, Dave Acampo and Jay Stringer. Um, Experienced crime writers, we kind of break it down. Well, there's, there's a thing. If you recall, do you recall way back when we did the, uh, your show on the first season of Luther? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't in love with it like you guys were. Yeah, so I really loved season two a lot. I love. I didn't love season one so much. We've kind of we figured out sort of there's there's patterns with the show, and uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of a good cleanser because we're we're gushing and, and very enthusiastic about Breaking Bad. I don't know if Luther, is, I don't know if Luther would get the, the attention it gets if it wasn't Idris Ilba, who the current geek. Um, like Messiah, yeah, cast Idris Elba and everything, yeah. So I don't know yeah. if he, I don't know if we just take some other random actor and put him into Luther stories. I don't know. If I think it ends very well. Well, that's the same kind of that's anything where you've got a main character and yeah. the show is 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 pulled along by. The I'm saying characters. is I think I think the affection that people have for him is uh, might be outweighing because I think story wise well, I, 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 I really like the first like a lot. I like them well, a lot. I don't like Breaking Bad. You're weird. I'm not yeah. normal. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not like one of those people like I'm so crazy, but I don't like the same things that other people do. So for whatever, like I really like, like I like Luther more than I like Breaking Bad, and I know that that's not a mathematical. Breaking Bad's a better show. I can tell yeah, you that it is, but I like Luther better. If that makes sense. Head over to ifanboy.com to comment on the show. Tell Josh why he's weird. You can find this podcast, all of other podcasts, every upcoming show. You'll find them all there at ifanboy.com. Follow all the action at twitter.com/ifanboy and. Facebook.com slash iFanboy. Give us a like. Much less action. Give us a like. If you uh, like this show, go to Facebook and give us a like. Like it. it. What's going to hurt you? You can email at contact at iFanboy.com. You can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. That just reminded me of old old local New York City TV commercials. (laughs) If you dig Tell this. them what's good about our carpet store. And they cut to his <laughs> sister. <laughs> oh my god, it's so awesome. We have carpets of all kinds. Do we have Berber? 
<laughs> of course we've got Bubba. We've got Shag. We've got everything. <laughs> Is it stain proof? Stain proof? Are you kidding me? My God. You could keep your grandmother in there all week and never have to worry about it. Come down to the carpet center. Oh. Queens Boulevard. <laughs> that one's on Northern Boulevard, let's be honest. All right, I'm going to do this in my Philadelphia accent. If you dig us and think this show holds water, <laughs> rate us a review <laughs> on iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcast, spread the iFanboy balls. That's what it says. That wasn't an accent. You just said water in the middle of it. Water. You do have a That's what happened. I, hear, I love hearing your accent come out every once in a while. I don't have an accent. Dude, I don't know. Yeah, every every really once in a while. It's a little bit. A little nope. bit. You do a little no, bit. No, I don't. I don't, have, I don't have an accent. You basically sound exactly the same as Ben Margera. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> He's from Westchester. April, Phil, we're going we're gonna to put poop on him. <laughs> okay, till next From week. Westchester, PA. Not I'm Philly. Connor. It's a related. It's a related accent. I know about these things. I'm thought about Bam Margera in a while, and I'm totally cool with that. Bye. I'm Josh. I'm so-